evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Jets Radio. This is your host, Tyson Roush, and as you know, we have a jam-packed show tonight, and there is news all over the place, from the blockbuster trade with Rex, to Andre Johnson news, to Percy Harvin debate, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So without further ado, let's introduce my co-host, Joe from Long Beach. What's up, man? Hey, Tyson, what's going on, man? I'm excited, and can't wait to hear all the listeners calling in, everyone talking about stuff that's flying around the NFL, man. Can't wait to talk Jets as well, man. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, last night we talked to Jason from OverTheCap.com, and he gave us some parameters for contracts. And now tonight we're talking players. And let's start off with the biggest news of the day, and that's you know, the, the Bills trading for LaShawn McCoy in exchange for Kiko Alonso. And, Joe, I'll give you my take first, and here's my take. I think that the Eagles are going to make out on this deal, and here's the reason why. I think that Kiko Alonso is a young player, an emerging defensive player, that's going to make an impact. He's cheap, so he's not going to, help, he's not going to hurt their salary cap. Now, the Bills are going to take – they're taking Sean McCoy, who's a quality back, a lot of miles on his tires, but a $10 million cap hit. So that's basically one-third of their available cap space now. So basically you gave away Kiko Alonso and possibly the ability to re-sign Jerry Hughes for a running back. I mean, listen, I respect running backs, but in this NFL, I don't care if you're ground or pound or not, running backs are kind of a dime a dozen at this point. I mean, they're all, you know, you're going to get your yards, but a lot of them are platoons and things like that. So for me, just gut instinct looking at it without, without being anti-Rex, I'm thinking that the Eagles are going to get the better of this deal. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree, especially if the Eagles can get a good, solid, you know, running back in this year's draft, which has a, quite a couple of running backs they can actually draft and fill holes. Uh, as you spoke about, running backs are a diamond dozen. You can also have a running back by committee. They still have Sproles there in Philadelphia as well. And with the emergence and bringing in Kiko Alonso, it's like, man, that fills a huge need on their defense. He's extremely cheap. Um, and, he's, you know, he's a young guy 2000, since 2013. I think he's third in tackles. Uh, overall and in, in linebackers in the league. So you got a really good talent, a really good quality linebacker, um, you know, for to give away LaShawn McCoy, who, you know, didn't have that great of a season last year. So, you know, Chip, Chip has made a, a definitely a power move, and I think the Eagles might end up on the, the good end of this trade. Yeah, and there's a, there's a trickle-down from this. There's a big trickle-down for this. The first is C.J. Spiller. He's out of Buffalo. I mean, he was on NFL Network. He said so. Listen, I'm, they, they called me and said, thank you for my service. I'm out of here. So now C.J. Spiller is a guy that Jets are going to target. You know, that, that's a big thing. The other big thing is David Harris. I mean, David Harris is a guy that wrecks covets, now even more so. So if I'm the New York Jets, if you want to keep David Harris in the fold, you get him signed before Rex Ryan has a chance to give him a call. I mean, don't you? I mean, don't you think, Joe? I mean, this at this point, David Harris is on Rex's radar. It's no secret at this point. He, he he's going to fill a hole for him. If the Jets truly want Harris, get the deal done before Rex starts making phone calls. Exactly, but you also got to think. You know, if David wants to come in at the right uh, number, if Dave if Dave wants to come back at the right number for you know to be a, a backer for us, then fine. But like you said, if we don't get the deal done before Rex starts, you know, shows up at his door then, you know, he might end up signing with the Bills. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, and like I said, C.J. Spiller is going to be available now. There's no doubt about that. It would be funny if he went to the Eagles. That would be kind of funny. And I think the other story that we're not really looking into is the amount of cap space the Eagles could have now. 
they're going to have like $50 million in cap space. So now it's like, you know, we always talked about, you know, oh, Rebus could go to, you know, the Raiders or the Jets, all this. The Eagles are going to be a player for him now. I mean, that's my opinion, at least. I mean, if, if Chip Kelly is going to make a splash, it seems like he has confidence on offense where he's like, hey, you know what? I, my play calling and my game plans, all this, I'm confident in that. I'm going to bolster my defense. I mean, do you think Darrell Rebus could be a candidate for the Eagles now? He could be a candidate for the Eagles. Uh, with McCoy, like you said, with McCoy leaving, that definitely opens up a lot of cap space, which might hurt Rex as well with getting him in. So he might be limited to what he can actually give David Harris. But, you know, Revis is definitely going to be on their radar. I think Byron Maxwell is a guy that they have been linked to constantly. They're going to be uh, in a scuffle for him as well, uh, for his services too. They might want to be looking at Walter Thurman as well. But they have other needs, not just corner. They have safety needs as well. They need, to, they need to tackle. There's other things that they can do now. They can move around with that cap room and address other needs on their team. So this move all around for them makes a whole lot of sense. You get a really good backer, very cheap, and you can go address other needs on your team with the rest yeah, of no the doubt. And No, I agree. There, there's definitely a significant trickle down here. And, and we'll go to our first caller. It's Seth from Brooklyn who's going to kind of touch on what we're just talking about now. Seth, this is Joe and Tyson with Let's Talk Jets. How you doing, man? Doing well. It's been a few weeks, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, I really wasn't so amped for, you know, the NFL until next week three agency. But, boy, oh, boy, I guess that's the beauty of the NFL. Out of nowhere, you can have some craziness just occur. Yeah, I mean, we were we were trying to plan out the show. We're like, all right, tonight we'll talk about some things, and then, like, next week will be the big splurge. But now, I mean, information's coming out fast and furious, and it's kind of crazy. What's your take on this Eagles-Bills trade? I think it's a typical Rex Ryan trade in the sense that there's more splash and substance involved. Um, running backs for me, listen, Sean McCoy is obviously in a category of his own. He's one of the top three running backs in the NFL, in my opinion, and I think in most people's opinion. But when you have a running back in his upper 20s in a league where the production value of running backs start to decline in around 30, especially also when we've seen a trend in the past few drafts where running backs, successful ones, can be found in the middle rounds, especially in this draft, which is going to be super deep in running backs, it really just makes no sense to trade someone who was arguably as good as Sheldon Richardson in his rookie season. Granted, he got hurt. But finding a great linebacker and one that's only 24 is a lot more difficult than finding a really good running back. And anyways, you're in the age where you don't have to have the star running back to win a Super Bowl. Look at the Patriots. Who's their star running back anytime they won any of their Super Bowls, you know, the reigning champions? I just don't see it. I think this is just Rex Ryan going for the name, really wanting to do the ground and pound, even though it's just not a viable option in the modern-day NFL. You have to pass the ball. And uh, I give the Eagles credit. They also they also shed off. Another thing that's not being mentioned a lot, the Eagles shed a lot of salary in this deal. They have to sign McCoy to a massive extension that's, that's going to bite them in the behind in two, three years from now. So I feel this is a win for the Eagles. And I just, you know, this move just reaffirms my belief the past two, three years that Rex Ryan is simply overrated as a coach. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I mean, it, it's, it, it does reek of Rex Ryan, I will say that. Uh, and I, I agree with you. I mean, the, the salary that 
LaShawn McCoy, as good as he is, is commanding right now in this day and age in the NFL, is a lot of money. So the Eagles shed that salary, and now they can address other needs. They can bring in another running back that would, you know, a cheaper cost, and pair him with, with Sproles. So to me, I, I agree with you. We are completely on the same page. You know, and it's you know, and I mean, Joe, what do you think? I mean, you kind of agree with us, but I mean, I think it, Rex Ryan made the decision. It's a big splash. It's a name, but we're not playing Madden. We're playing the NFL. So, I mean, Joe, what's your take? Yes, absolutely. I, I think that, oh man, he took on a lot of cap uh, when he brought in McCoy, and you let Kiko Alonso go. Like, like the caller was saying, and I want to thank you for calling as well. Young linebackers that are on Kiko Alonso's level are not easy to find, and when you let him go, and you bring in McCoy you know, you're, you're going to have to fill that spot as well. So now, like you said, we all know he's tipping the hand with David Harris. Uh, he might have to go after him as well. But there's other needs on his team that he could address outside of just bringing in McCoy because running back is a dime a dozen. You can run him back by committee. So I don't I don't know about this trade with Rex, but we'll see how it works out for him. Maybe he's got something up his hand. Maybe he's going to go in the draft and find a linebacker. Or maybe he's just confident in, in his defensive uh, genius and feels like he can just – coach up any linebacker and get the job done. So we'll see how it works out. But like I said, I, I think the Eagles definitely got the best of this trade. Seth, what is your take on uh, the Percy Harvin situation? It's kind of – we've been having some heated debates the last week or two on this, and now it's like it's getting it's getting very heated because now the countdown's on the free agency. So what's your take on Harvin? I think what you have to do is you have to see – at least play out the first week of free agency – and see if you can get a viable replacement. If you can, you don't have to necessarily get Randall Cobb, but if you can get someone, you know, a tier below that, like um, let's see, uh, like a Crabtree or someone in that mold, I think you have to let him go because of two reasons: the price tag, which would put the Jets closer to sixty million in cap space, and that fourth round pick, which is going to be a high one, is ever important. But if the Jets struck at, strike out on getting a, you know, a legitimate starting wide receiver that can make plays, it's very hard to cut Percy Harvin, especially because we have the cap space to play with. But if it's up to me and we can sign someone who doesn't have to be as dynamic as Percy but still pretty productive, I say let him go. Getting someone at a cheaper price, which can also help you, you know, sign maybe a Devin McCourty or even dare to dream Revis if he hits the market and you still get to keep that fourth-round draft pick. So I think it's hard to say, and I think making any decision without waiting to the last second of the deadline is foolish. Okay, this this is my problem with that is when you talk about signing Michael Crabtree, you're talking about a guy that isn't as dynamic as Pierce Harvin. I understand what you're saying. You don't want to get guys that dynamic, but we need field stretchers on this team. That's the bottom line. You know, if you were talking about possibly adding Michael Crabtree and you know, to an already explosive offense or an offense that already had guys that – could, you know, blow the top off the defense, I would agree with you. But we don't have that here. So if you were to sign Crabtree, you'd be signing Crab. You'd have Crabtree, Decker, and Curley, three guys that you can literally sit on their routes pretty much. You don't have to be scared of their speed. You don't have to be scared of them blowing past you, nothing like that. We had that when the season started. I mean, you saw how frigid our offense was, how bad it was, how you didn't have anyone to necessarily be afraid of. So – I, I, I don't like the Michael Crabtree signing, and that's why I think that Keith and Harvin would be a, a better option for us. Um, even though ten point point five million, I don't necessarily like the cap number, cap number, but he is our number one receiver, and he is a dynamic guy. Um, so I don't necessarily understand the, the whole getting Crabtree and, and dropping Harvin. Um, 
my, my question for you is, though, our offensive line also has issues as well. How would you like to see that addressed in free agency? Well, can I sign up for Mike Upaya right now? Oh. <laughs> I mean, oh, I mean I, I'd like to sign him for now for good cap it. Um, listen, the, the offensive line obviously has to be addressed. Um, I don't – I don't see the need to attack left tackle right away. Um, obviously, the Brickshaw is not as good as he once was, but he's still serviceable. And I don't like the idea of going to tackle in the first round, especially when I really, I really don't see a tackle worth taking at that six picks. Leo Collins is really good, but I don't think he's number six worthy. And I have my reservations on Sheriff. Um, so, obviously, I go after Epotty, but um, I don't know. I mean – I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm not so familiar with the names on the offensive line this uh, this uh, free agency, but you know the Jets have money to work with, and if you could sign Ayubadi, I mean, wouldn't that completely electrify and solidify uh, one part of the offensive line? You have him. Let's see, put him next to Brick. Wouldn't that completely solidify the left side? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I mean, I think if to be honest with you, as many quality offensive linemen as you could bring in, I'm bringing them in. If that means you know Ayupati and drafting one in the third round, or however you want to go about doing so, Orlando Franklin, however you go about doing it, I'm one thousand percent behind it because it's an area of need. When we talk about you know pass rushers and safeties, offensive line is your foundation. That's what your offense is built around. If it struggles, your offense struggles, and it's no secret. So I agree 1,000% about Ayupati. I mean, Joe's been banging on the table with him for about a month now, just <laughs> wanting to give him the whole – he's ready to bankroll his whole family at this point. But, you know, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a guy he covets, and I think it would be a smart move. Uh, Seth, we got plenty of callers on the line, man. So first of all, I want to thank you for calling in. It's good to hear from you again. And hopefully you call in during free agency, man, because there's going to be some fast oh, and furious oh, information coming out. Oh, I will. Listen, listen, I have to suffer with Isaac the past two years, and his free agency, I'm calling. <laughs> <laughs> have a good night, Seth. Thank you. You too. Thank you. You know, it's funny, Joe, because now it's like we have the salary cap money, and now it's about using it wisely and bringing in legitimate players to to make moves. You know, it's you know impact moves, not you know no more band aid guys, hold the fort guys. You're bringing in legitimate guys that can make an impact this year on the field, and no more projects, and it's exciting. Exactly, man, and I'm so happy that we have enough space this year. And, you know, to, to, to make moves like that and get guys in here that are really going to improve this team. I'm just I'm just waiting to see if do what we got to do to get it done at a tax-free agency. That's what we've got to do. Yep, here we go. And we'll go to our next caller. It's Mike from New York who wants to talk about the quarterback situation, which at this point seems to get lost in the shuffle, especially with all this Harvin nonsense. Mike, this is Joe and Tyson. How you doing, man? Hey, how you doing? Uh, doing good. Well, what do you, I see that – I hear you, you see that you're a, a fan of Ryan Mallett, who's definitely an intriguing guy. Give us your thoughts. Um, I like I like the pocket passer. I mean, the Jets what the Jets need is the Jets need a guy who's going to electrify the stadium. You need a guy that's going to carry your team, put your team on the back, and and take you take you take you where you need to go. I mean, we've had guys that can just do jobs. I mean, Mark Sanchez is a game manager. Geno Smith, a game manager. I mean, he shows some promise, but he's inconsistent on a lot of levels. I mean, Ryan Mallett is same. You're getting the same thing out of him, but. I don't see any. I don't think Mario is going to be the guy in the draft, and we're not getting Winston. And even with his off-field problems, I don't see him being a solution. But um, I think Mal is going to be a guy that, if you can develop him, I think he's got some good tools to work with. 
Yeah, you know what? The thing about Mal, and it's unfortunate he got hurt last year because he was getting his chance to really show what he can do. He has a big-time arm. And the thing mm-hmm. is, Bill O'Brien likes him. So it's like that's a guy that has respect for quarterbacks. So he's intriguing. He's young. He's got potential. And it's good, I mean, it's good competition. Now, are you mm-hmm. saying you bring him, are you bringing him in for an open competition with Geno? Is that your goal? Yeah, yeah, because I think that Gino, Gino showed me some, showed everyone things. I mean, he he can he can play. It's just a matter of putting it all together. I mean, we, he's got all the tools to be a good quarterback. It's just that he's not. I didn't. I don't think I'm not a big Marty fan. I don't think Rex Ryan helped him develop develop the way he should have. I mean, so. I mean, you you just Mike when when Slim listens to this when you any time that somebody gets a chance to rip Marty Morningwig, you're making Slim's <laughs> night right now. So when he hears this, he's gonna have a nice big Guinness and celebrate. But I know I agree. I, I think that. It's it's we want competition and my preference is a young guy. If you could bring in a mallet, I take a chance mm-hmm. on Jake Locker. I mean, Joe, what's your thoughts yeah. on mallet? Yeah, my thoughts on oh my my thoughts on mallet are that you know I, I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he has a ton of potential. Um, he's you know been with the Patriots, been with the Texans, but I, he's never really been that guy. He's never really been the man wherever he was. He had lots of chances. Of clearly with the Patriots, he wasn't going to have a chance. But with the Texans, he did have a chance. And for a while, he couldn't beat out Fitzpatrick. And then he did, and then he got hurt, and then Fitzpatrick finished off the end of the season there. So I don't know. Uh, Mallet would be a young guy. He's talented. Of course, he can come in and compete with Geno for the job. But my guy would be Hoyer. That's a guy that I'm looking at that I've seen start, that I've seen put up numbers here. And I think that if we can get him and, and, and bring him in and have him compete, I think that's a guy that I would definitely look at. That's Fitzpatrick as well. Uh, so what do you think about that, Tyson? You know, well, Fitzpatrick, if he gets released, that's the thing now. I mean, if right now mm-hmm. he's under contract. If if Mallet does test free agency, chances are Fitzpatrick's going to stay in Houston. I'm not opposed to Hoyer. I can see the reason for him. Um, I just like the the. For, this is going to sound stupid, but I like the unknown of Mallet. That's what makes me curious. It's like a young guy that you know what you may hit something with him. You kind of you kind of already know what you have at Hoyer. You don't know what you have at Mallet. I mean, Locker's Locker's shown some flashes, then he gets hurt. I like that yeah. that potential. I mean, I mean, what do you think, Mike? I mean, is it what's your take on Hoyer, Mike? I mean, Hoyer. I mean, he's he's kind of the same thing, except the fact that you kind of he, I I don't like this turnover problems he had towards the end of the year that kind of scares me. It kind of makes me feel like you're getting more of a Geno situation out of that. But I, I like I still I'm still liking Mallet. I mean, I think he, I mean he won behind Tom Brady. He won behind the greatest quarterback. I mean, not that I want to admit that, but he's behind the greatest quarterback in the game of all time. Maybe, I mean, how? I mean, you got to take a chance on that guy. I think. Yeah, I agree. And and before we let you go, Mike, what's your take on Joe's favorite player in the entire universe, Percy Harvin? Percy Harvin, <laughs> I'm gonna say you got to negotiate with him. I mean, if he's he not want to take a pay cut, but you know what? I'm thinking about it this way. How much? How much we owe him again? We owe what? Ten million? Ten like that? Yep. Ten point five. Yep. All right. So. You're paying him, let's say, right? You're paying him ten, a uh, five million to be a wide receiver, three million to be a running back, and uh, you know, sorry, three, three million to be a kick return, and two million to be a running back. So honestly, it may be worth the money. You're getting three guys, mm. three solid guys in one. Oh, you just pulled out the Ron Pickett on us. Ron Pickett used that on me, and that still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> Very good Mike, argument. We wanna... Very good. Mike, I want to thank you for calling in, man. We definitely appreciate it, and be sure to do so again soon. All right, thank you, guys. Thank you. He pulled he pulled the Ron Pickett on us, Joe. That's exactly what Ron said. Ron's like, if you break down person in three different parts, I'm like, are those the broken parts or the parts that are working? 
Oh, <laughs> and that's why I like Ron Pickett. He always comes on the show, gives very good arguments. I totally agree with that caller. Totally agree with Ron Pickett's argument. If you look at what he gives us, the dynamic ability that he has, you know, hey, it is what it is. You, you got to pay to play, you know. Hey, Joe, I got a question for you. Yeah. Who is the most expensive receiver in the NFL that's never got a thousand yards receiving? Oh my God, I'm so tired of you going on and on and on about this. Okay, let me let me give you let me give you a little something. Piercy, yes, he hasn't Just had a thousand yards. Can you answer the question first? Okay, it's it's Piercy Harvin. Piercy Harvin. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, that's all. all right. That's all. Okay. okay, but before we before we'll we'll go back into Percy, but I, I have a question for you though. The, the bigger right. news today is that there's a you know is that uh, Trent Cole got released by the Eagles, and it seems like the Eagles are making a lot of changes. And obviously, you know, Trent Cole is a little bit older than the the options that we discussed you know, over the last couple of days. You know, we've talked about you know Rackbo, Jason Worlds, Brandon Graham. Trent Cole's 32 years old, 14 and a half sacks the last two years. Is he a guy that kind of piques your interest as a fallback option for the Jets? Absolutely. This is a guy. I mean, I was. I was shocked. When he got dropped, I was kind of shocked. I thought that they would work some things out with him. But now he's on the free agency market. We have got to test him. We've got to see what we can get him, what we can get him at to bring him in. If he's willing to come in for a contract that works out for us, then we've got to pull him in there. A good pass rusher, we need one. We need one very, very bad. That's why we were going after Hughes as well. You, know, you talked about him uh, last show. That's somebody that we need to see. Hey, kick the tires on him, bring him in, see what he can give us. Because if you want pass rushers, this is a free agency. The time to go out and get them because they're out there. And with Trent Cole being out there, we've got to see what he can bring for us. You know, and the thing is now, it's like over the past, you know, I don't know how many years, say five, six years, we've been desperately looking for this pass rusher. We thought it was going to be Calvin Pace. We thought it was going to be Quentin Copels. We thought all these things. And now the spotlight for me is on Mike McCagnon. And let me tell you why, because now he has a surplus of guys that are out there. He's armed with cap space. So now it's up to the guy that he identifies as the next guy that's going to be our pass rusher. So it's like, does he believe in Worlds? Is it McPhee? Is it you know, Brandon Graham? Who is it? And now it's like, we always talked about the pressures on him in terms of getting a quarterback. The pressure's almost on him identifying a very good pass rusher for us because he has his choice. You know, it's like... Yes, we're going to compete against the Raiders and the Jaguars and now the Eagles, but we, we're armed with cap space. So we can compete with anybody we want to if we identify a guy we really need. So, Joe, don't you think that there's going to be some pressure on McCagden to identify a quality pass rusher that fits Todd Bowles' system? Absolutely. Um, we all know that you know he's got a scouting background, and this was some of the questions that we talked about when we brought him in, was how is he going to deal with free agents? Because we didn't know – you know, if he had been in that realm as far as when, you know, he was working with his GM when he was with the Texans. So how he deals with this free agency period and how he gets guys and identifies guys that are going to work in both systems is definitely going to add to his legacy here, how he gets with the pass rusher. Because we, we honestly have not had a consistent pass rusher since John Abraham. And, and that's sad. <laughs> that's extremely sad. We haven't had pressure. We haven't had a guy to get off the edge and be in your face like that. So, He's got he's to do what he needs to do in this free agency period and spend wisely and get guys in here that can rush the passer to help our defense. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Todd Bowles is about, you know, obviously we got to address the secondary, and he's been very open about that, saying that, listen, you know, I need quality corners, which is no secret. We're going to address that. But, you know, we need a safety, and I think pass rushers. And, and now it's up to, you know, McCagnin, say if McCourty – 
you know, if there's a bidding war for him, we miss out on him. Does he look at an antral role? I mean, there's a lot of things that he's going to leave his blueprint on this team or imprint on this team very, very quickly. Because if he bundles a couple of these mistakes, if he makes mistakes, say he blows it with a pass rusher and he blows it with an offensive lineman, that's a setback. Because now you have high-priced guys that aren't going to pan out over the first couple of years. So, you know, people focus on the quarterback a lot. I think there's a lot of pressure in terms of the defense as well. And with that being said, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, some of the news this week was, you know, Andre Johnson's having a major falling out at the Houston Texans, and it's it's getting ugly fast there, which is unfortunate because the guy's a phenomenal player and, and probably deserves a better fate. Um, what's your take on Andre Johnson? Initially, my belief is he's probably going to want to go to a contending team, but you know, what do you think about Andre Johnson at, at 34 years old? Uh, Andre Johnson at 34 years old. Um, he definitely is going to want to go to a contending team. I know he's been able to seek a trade. I wouldn't necessarily trade for him because I I honestly believe that they might cut him. So I, I wouldn't trade for a guy that is going to be on the street eventually, uh, possibly. But trading for Andre, I mean, this is not the Andre of a, you know six years ago. This is Andre Johnson. He slowed down a little bit. He's still a solid quality receiver. He can still get things done out there, but it's, it's just not the same guy. Um, you'd have to test the market to kind of see – what you can get for him. If you can get Andre Johnson for maybe a, a fourth, maybe fifth rounder or something like that, I, I, I would definitely take a flyer on him if I was a team out there. But, you know, Andre's going to be a solid receiver, kind of see how things pans out. I think, like you said, if he goes into free agency and hits the market, he's definitely going to want to go to contender because he's going to want to win. Uh, he's later in his career. You know, his Hall of Fame stuff is pretty much set up. If he gets a Super Bowl ring, that pretty much solidifies it. So what do you think, Tyson? I'm gonna say I'll just make it easy. No, 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 and no. <laughs> How's that? And I'll tell you why though. Just I'm just busting chops. But the thing is with Andre Johnson, first of all, I would never trade for him. I would never trade for him or Mike Wallace because chances are they're gonna get cut. So why waste that draft pick? You know that's the first thing. Second thing is. You know, what kind of money is he going to want? I think he still wants to have a competitive salary, which with diminished skills, I mean, I'm not saying he's Clyde Gates, but he's also not the, he's not the Andre, Johnson, uh, Andre Johnson of old. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going that direction. I'm just not. It, that, to me, is a Band-Aid signing with, you know, a two-year max. I want a younger guy. I, I'm staying with the whole Macklin, Randall Cobb, those kind of guys. I, I just can't – I can't go down that trail with him, you know, like, especially during a trade. I think a trade would be a terrible idea, incorpor- you know, taking on his salary. So if he becomes a free agent, I, he's the kind of guy that would go to the Patriots or go to the Packers, or go to the Cowboys, or, you know, I just don't see it happening. But an intri- intriguing name that we got, and this is from, uh, from a couple of our listeners, is Stevie Johnson. You know, Stevie Johnson, under Chan Gailey, had the best years of his career. He's only 28 years old. He had three phenomenal years under Chan, and he lit up Revis. I mean, what is your take on Stevie Johnson as a, an option for the Jets, not saying to replace Percy Harvin, but as a guy mm-hmm. to add to the mix? Stevie Johnson. Stevie Johnson's not bad. Uh, he's a he's a a pretty decent signing, I would say, just to add to the mix. I guess if we're just talking about bringing in a receiver, even though I don't believe we need any more receivers, um, you know, Stevie wouldn't be wouldn't be bad to bring in. Uh, he he's got a weird route running style, so you kind of have to adjust your your offense for that. Um, but other than that, I think he would be a solid guy if you can get him in for the right numbers. What do you think? Yeah, he's a guy. When I first when I first thought of it, I'm like, no, I'm like, why bother? And then you look at his familiarity with Chan. You know, Chan Gailey mm-hmm. has. You know, he he's he's using him very effectively. You know, spread offense, 
put him in. It's probably very effective. I don't think it's a terrible option. I mean, the thing is, when you bring in guys like that, you're going to eliminate guys like T.J. Graham, you're going to, you know, Chris Owazu. Those guys are all going to be cut then. And then the other thing, Joe, is too, is what about all these young guys like Shaq Evans? Well, I mean, what do you do with all them? I mean, if you bring in a guy like this, these young guys are going to be – and listen, they're, they've been hurt and are unproven. I understand all of that. But you bring in guys like Stevie Johnson, these young guys are going to be gone. There's no roster space for them. You can't keep ten receivers. Yeah, but Shaq Evans, Chris like those guys, they're not very good. Shaq Evans would have been cut last year had he not have gotten hurt. He'd be gone along with Jalen Saunders. So, like I said, I, I, it wouldn't be a bad addition to the team. You know, he'd, he'd be a decent signing for us. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you know, it's not a guy that I really thought much about. And then once he was mentioned, I'm like, all right, you know, it it could make some sense. You know, uh, you, you don't know. Now, the next question I have for you, Joe, and this is an interesting one. And, you know, today on Twitter, you know, everybody, first of all, phone lines are open, 929-477-2651. Obviously, we're on, we're on Twitter because we're getting pounded on there, at Talk Jets Radio. <laughs> and we had a, we had a conversation about, you know, Percy Harvin as a player and his impact and, you know, how much Seattle missed him, which they didn't, and, and you know, the importance of a receiver for a Super Bowl team. And, and my question for you, is, Joe, is does the receiver make the quarterback or does the quarterback make the receiver? That's my question for you. I think it can actually go both ways. I think that question can go both ways. Because if you have a receiver that's great enough, uh, he could definitely aid his quarterback. <laughs> that's factual. We saw stuff like that with Randy Moss. He was paired with quarterbacks that weren't really all that great uh, in points in his career, and he made them a lot better than they were. And then you also have the flip side of that. You have quarterbacks like, say, a Tom Brady, where he was surrounded with rookie receivers a couple years ago, and these guys were dropping passes left and right, and he was coaching them in the route running and how to do things and how to make plays and how to be at certain spots at the right time. And he made them a lot better with a couple of his throws as well. So it can go both ways. Now, do you think you need to have an elite receiver to win a Super Bowl? I mean, do you need to have that elite receiver to carry you through the playoffs to be that go-to guy to, to make it to the Super Bowl? I don't think you have to have elite receivers or an elite receiver to be in a Super Bowl. There's been teams that have been in a Super Bowl that didn't have elite receivers. But I do believe that you have to have receiver. If you don't have an elite receiver, you have to have receivers that are dynamic. Like, generally, you have you have teams that do have dynamic receivers that get there. <laughs> I can see. You had to throw the word in dynamic. That's because that's your Percy Harvin backup. I, I can see what you're doing with that. You're asking me questions, and I'm answering them. That, that's what it is. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. I, I get it. I, like, the, the reason why I ask is, like, there's you have you – have, basically, you saw it in the playoffs this year. You have two teams in the Super Bowl. I mean, the Patriots had – you know, is a good player. I mean – gets hurt a lot. Edelman is very, very reliable. And then you had the Beast and Gronkowski. The Seahawks, who was it, Doug Baldwin and a cast of characters. But then if you look at the, the championship round, I mean, the Broncos and the, and the – well, they didn't make it to the – I mean, the Broncos and the Packers, even though the Broncos lost earlier, they had all-star cast of receivers, and they didn't win. I mean, the Packers had, you know, Randall Cobb, Jordy Nelson. They had guys all over the place. You know, the, the Broncos had an all-star cast as well, and they still couldn't win. So it's like – it's interesting to see, is it the receivers? Do you need to have these high-priced receivers or do you need to have a good offensive line, a good quarterback that makes good decisions? It's an interesting dynamic to see how that all works out and what gets you to win a championship. Well, I think it also goes into your offensive identity. Uh, if you look at the Broncos, the reason why the Broncos lost is Peyton, Peyton's arm is done. I mean, he, he's pretty much done. That's why they changed the offensive scheme there 
and started running the ball a lot more later in the season to kind of help him out because physically whatever's wrong with him, whatever he's hiding from, uh, you know, the rest of the NFL, there, there's something going on there. Um, if you look at how our offense is set up and how we're running our stuff, watch the offense from the beginning of the year. It was very cold, frigid. You could sit on our routes. There was no guy to scare you. There was no guy that you had to identify. Decker often throughout the beginning of the year was covered by number two and at times even number three corners. That should never happen well, for hurt. a guy that's on the outside. Oh, my God. He was not hurt the entire season. He, was hurt. he wasn't hurt at the beginning of the season. He wasn't. <laughs> you want to talk about that Bears game when he disappeared and he had two catches for like 18 yards or something like that? Come on now. Uh, when, when you looked at our team, when you looked at our team, we needed to fill a stretcher, okay? When we got Harvin, and I remember because I called in and I remember you saying out of your own mouth, we finally got a field stretcher. We finally got a number one wide receiver. We finally got someone to be scared of. Well, here he is. Here he is. And I'm, like I said, we, I know we're going to go into it, and I'm ready to go into it right now. Listen, 10.5 for Piercy, is that too much for any receiver right now that's on the open market? Yeah, that, that may be too much to pay for him, but guess what? When you go on that open market, because Cobb right now is the hot guy, you're going to pay that because the Browns, the, yeah, but the difference and the Raiders are going to line you know up. The dif- you know what the difference is, though, Joe? There's a significant difference between Randall Cobb and Percy Harvin. You know what it is? Let me tell you what it is, Joe. Production mm-hmm. actually on the field. Why do you want to pay for potential? He has potential. He could do this. He may do this. He has a chance to do this. How about this, Joe? How about you actually friggin' do it, and then I'll pay you for it? Let's try that idea. I mean, I, listen, exactly. I, I respect his potential. Randall Cobb has done it. Jeremy Macklin has done it. When is Percy Harvard going to do it? Another $20 million, then he does it? Uh, he's actually done it, though. He's, he's had <laughs> what, what has he done? Seasons. What has he done? He's had successful seasons. When he was with the Vikings in 2011, he had 87 catches for 967 yards. That's not even counting the other stuff that he's done as far as kick returns and punt returns as well. And he was, he was there with Christian Ponder. Christian Ponder and Donovan McNabb were starting on that team. You want me to talk about the other years when he had crappy quarterbacks? That's the situation that we're in right now. We talked about this before. You've got to surround whoever our quarterback is with talent, whether it's Geno or whoever we sign off this free agency list. None of these guys are breakout stars. Now, here is a situation where the receivers may make the quarterback. Here's where it is. When you have quarterbacks that aren't as talented as an Aaron Rodgers, a Peyton Manning, and a Tom Brady, then you surround them. That's what we need to do here. We already have a guy here that's surrounded. I understand you don't want to pay him $10.5 million, but if you do the Ron Pickett math and you break down all the other stuff that he brings in from being a running back, from being a receiver, to kicking and returning, then it all adds up. And then you also got to think about that free agency market, how we're going to test it. Jaguars, Browns, Raiders will be out there too. And you want to get in a bidding war for Cobb with them? They don't have a problem with it at all. The Raiders are known for being stupid and giving people, overpaying people, and the Jaguars don't have any problem in opening that door and throwing the cash out with it too. So I, I'm not ready to go there. And then with the $10.5 million on, on Harvin's contract, you can cut him. Nothing's guaranteed here. We can do a one-year deal right here. Here's what happens. You get hurt, or we don't like anything you do. If you don't produce this season, then you're gone next season. We don't owe you anything. As we spoke about earlier in this, in this, uh, in this, in this show, we have money. We have cap space. We have the cap space. There's no need for us to be cheap here with this one player. We identify a position of need, which is wide receiver. We all, we, we all agree on the fact that we need a number one wide receiver, that Decker was not the wholehearted answer for number one wide receiver. Well, here we have our number one wide receiver. 
Let's give him a full season. Let's see what production we get out of him. And if we don't like it, we can get rid of him. But cutting a playmaker when, when we need playmakers on this offense doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But Amy, just to, just to clarify, I'm not as down as Decker uh, is down on Decker as you are. I, I like what Decker brings to the oh. table. I think he's a I, I think he's a quality route runner. He's a good receiver. He's a valuable asset. He showed flashes in the Dolphin game. I don't think he's as bad as you make him out to be. I think he's a a quality receiver at the right price. I, I do. I don't I don't I, think he's part of the problem. No, I'm not down on Decker at all. I'm not bashing Decker. I'm just I'm just telling you facts. I'm telling you exactly what happened. You said he was hurt. He wasn't hurt. In the Bears game, he had one catch for 19 yards. In the Lions game, he had four catches for 48 yards. There were times during the season he disappeared. I'm not down on Decker. I don't think he's a bad receiver. I just don't think he was the end-all, be-all to our problems. And we all agreed on that when we signed him because we thought we would go after other, other pieces and places. But Emmanuel Sanders, Deshaun Jackson, Golden Tate, they all got signed in our faces. And Emmanuel Sanders and, and Golden Tate got signed for less than what Decker got. So, I'm, oh, again, I still I'm not that. Yeah. No, Go ahead. I, I agree with you. I mean, you you know me, dude. Okay. I was I was all about Golden Tate, you know, for a variety of reasons. Exactly. You know, because you know, it's just like, oh, oh, I should have said it. Oh, we're just losing <laughs> listeners. We are just losing <laughs> listeners. I did not want to say Golden Tate. I tried. I held it back, and I just was like, oh, please don't play that, dude. Every- but you know. Every but that was, Go ahead. But that was the thing. The thing was, you know, it did drop the ball with Sanders and and Golden Tate, no doubt. But I mean, but I mean, moving forward, I mean, I, I like what Decker brings to the table. He definitely needs another guy, and they need Jeremy Curley to emerge too. Let's not give him a pass. I mean, Jeremy Curley was downright invisible last year, so it's not like I mean, he got his money, he got a nice little contract for himself. He's got to show up. He's part of the puzzle as well. You know what I mean? So yeah, and um, I. I, I totally agree, okay. but I, I think that I think that Curley's being, you know, being invisible. I think some of that was Marty's play calling because there were sometimes he wasn't even on the on the field at all. So. No, I, I agree. And just we see a couple. We had a couple callers that both dropped off the line. So our phone lines are open nine two nine four seven seven two six five one. Um, we're gonna go to our mailbag too, and also we're at at Talk Jets Radio on Twitter. If you, you have things we want to talk about, um, Joe. Joe Cologne set us a couple good questions I wanted you to cover. Um, His first one is, in Todd Bowles' new defensive scheme, do you think Quentin Copels will finally emerge as a consistent impact player? Oh, yes. I'm hoping. I'm definitely hoping that he will. But my problem with Quentin Copels is I I do think that he can fit certain schemes. I think that Todd's going to put him in positions to succeed. And I think the position for him to succeed is he's got to get his hand in the dirt. Okay, he's got to rush. He's one of he's when he has a motor when he decides he wants to play and he comes in he's in shape and his mindset is right and that's that's what I think it is with Quentin Copeland. The same thing I think about Geno is that I think Quentin has all the physical tools to be successful in the NFL. I really do, but it's between the ears with him. It's his brain. Does he want to Does he want to give a hundred percent every snap that he's out there? That's that's the problem with Quentin Copeland. Do I think that Todd will put him in position to be successful? Yes. Do I think that Quentin Copeland? Do I think that being successful in the NFL, being successful in top bowl systems, ultimately would come down to Quentin Copels? What do you think, Tyson? Man, you're talking to a guy that predicted ten sacks for Quentin Copels last year. I mean, I, I thought last year was I thought last year was year was all going to kick in for him, you know. And and you interviewed Demario Davis, and he and he even said, "Listen, I think that Quentin Copels is the best pass rusher on this team." I, I Joe, I think this is his last chance in New York. I mean, under Todd Bowles and a blitzing, aggressive defense, if Quinton Copels can't flourish, 
is it's over. It's done. I mean, there's nothing else to say here. I mean, this is for the New York Jets. This is his last chance. He's got to shine. He's got to emerge. He's got to make a significant impact, or he's out of here. Simple as that. And for me, I've you know I've met him a couple times. He's a great guy. Very funny. Very friendly. Awesome to the fans. You know, but you just want to see it pan out. You because know, he has the ability. He shows flashes where he's blowing up ball carriers in the backfield. He, he's a complete beast, and they don't vanish for like 15 plays. So I guess to answer Joe's question, I think we're both hopeful that he can. But, you know, it's like there was times where he was replaced with Jason Babin last year. So, you know, I think if we draft a pass rusher or we sign a Jerry Hughes or whoever we may sign, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to Copels. He may even become a trade candidate for all I know. Um, you know, that, that's another thing to think about, Joe. Would you even – if you do land – if you do draft somebody or you get a prominent free agent, do you even consider trading Quentin Copels? I would consider trading him if you could get some type of value. Um, yeah. But I don't know. If, I don't know if you would get some value for Quentin Copels at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. It's you know, send the Rex. He needs a pass rusher. Joe <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe jo Cologne's second question. This is a very interesting question. It's what do you think will have more impact on the roster, free agency or the draft? That's an excellent question. Mm, free agency or the draft? I think that free agency will have more impact next season because I think if we go after if we say if we go after and sign Mike Ayupati and we go get some you know some pass rushers and maybe even a Devin McCourty. I know you love Devin McCourty. So say we go get a Devin McCourty and say we do add Byron Maxwell again. Those are day one starters. Those are guys that you know when they come in, boom. They've they've shown improving the NFL. They've shown that they can do things. The guys that you're drafting, uh depending on how we move up, how we move down, you know, the shake and make of the draft, those are guys that you know, you hope you can come in and see if you can get something out of. Those are kind of the long-run guys, but I think immediate impact is definitely going to be free agency. What are your thoughts about it? No, I think the same thing. It, it's a great question. We want to thank Joe Cologne for thank sending you. these questions. Um, I think your immediate impact is obviously going to be free agency, and I think that's where you get your most bang for your buck. And then the draft is to kind of, you know, maybe a little help a little bit this year, especially the first round pick if it's a pass rusher, and then building up into next year, things like that. You know, it's it's a great question though. It really is, because it makes you really wonder. It's like you want you have all this money, you gotta get impact players that make plays this year, no band aids, no projects, and then draft that could supplement that, which is which is a really cool thing. And just so everybody knows, we do a mailbag segment every week. It's um at TalkJetsRadio at gmail.com, or not the app, but just TalkJetsRadio at gmail.com. Mail us your questions, email us your questions, and we'll do our best to answer all of them. So we want to thank Joe Cologne for that. He's always tweeting us good information. So that's a, you know, it's a pretty pretty good question, man. Maybe think on both of them. Yeah, absolutely. Those are really great questions. And thank everyone that does listen and tweet as well and send us questions through there too. You guys are you guys are great. Now we had we had a very good question from our friend. Uh, Martin Beaumont, I think he's Marty88 on Twitter, who's he, right, he does a very good job with his blog, and um, actually his Twitter is Toontime88, and he says there's a double standard in the draft, because now he thinks, like, well, we always talk about, you know, if you take a quarterback in the first round, the risk of taking one and him not panning out, like you take Mariota and he bombs, it sets the franchise back five years, or maybe four years, whatever it is. But wouldn't that apply to the same thing if we take Dante Fowler any bombs or if we take Amari Cooper any bombs? Like he says, is there a double standard when it comes to quarterbacks? I do think that there is a double standard when it comes to quarterbacks, but at the same time, 
quarterbacks, your your average quarterbacks don't even grow on trees these days. So you can find another backer or you can find, you know, another pass rusher, say you take one in top end and he bombs. There's still other guys out there. But finding a top end quarterback or even, you know, an upper echelon quarterback, it's so hard to find out here. I mean, so many teams, look at us. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're in that same position. So that's just kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing. It's like like you said, finding a franchise quarterback, a guy that could lead you know lead your team and lead your offense and be productive, is so much harder than finding. Not, I mean, in theory, so much harder than finding a pass rusher because the reason why is they never become available. If you're a competent quarterback, you don't hit free agency. They're, you're just not getting them. So that's why I think the double standard exists because these guys aren't falling on trees as evidenced by the Jets quarterback situation the last, I don't know how many years at this point. So it's a very good question, but I think that's a double standard, and I think that's why it is. You know, it's just because of that. I mean, there's a lot of risk in the first round. You want to make a splash. If you don't hit, you better hit in your second and third round picks. But, you know, it's – you know, a quarterback. If you take one, the other thing I think Joe too is that you know if you take him and you have you're, if you take a quarterback in the first round, you have to play him. You can't just say you know what he's not practicing well because chances are when Geno doesn't play well, the fans want to see him play. At some point, you have to give this kid time, and when you give him time, then he starts losing games. Then it's setting your franchise back even more. You know what I mean? If your pass rusher doesn't work out, you bring in Calvin Pace or Jason Babin. If you know if Mariota bombs. Just for an example, then what are you doing, Matt Sims? I mean, then you got some serious, serious problems. Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can always turn to free agency if you know, like you said, if your pass rusher, you know, doesn't doesn't drop out. But you know, and it may not be a drop off. You can have a guy like like you said, we got Jason Baffin. We were replacing with Quentin Copeland when Quentin Copeland wasn't playing really well, and Jason showed and proved. Well, you know, your your quarterback bombs. You're going. You're going south as well. Your whole team is going south because your offense may fall off the map. So, you know that's just kind of how drafts pan out. You just got to make sure you get the guy in there that that is going to play well for you. Yeah, and the other example too is you know the spotlight's on the quarterback because the ball is always is always in his hands. You know, so mm-hmm. you're always going to analyze it, especially in the New York market with the Jets fan base. We're gonna we are so desperate for a franchise quarterback that we're going to overanalyze every move he makes until he has a 4,000-yard passing season. But, but the thing is, with a pass rusher, they can vanish, and you're not even going to notice them. And the, the example is Vernon Golston. I mean, Vernon Golston was invisible, and for a while we just gave up. Like, oh, you know, he's on the field. If he wasn't on the field, we didn't even notice him. And at, at some point you just wrote it off like, you know what, he's just a bust. With a quarterback, you can't do it because you need him to produce, like, soon. You know, you get, you get your one year of, okay, your rookie year, take that one off. After that, you have to play. Vernon Golston was around, and you just, you know what, special teams, just find something for him to do to get productive. He had that leverage because it was just like you just had nothing else to do with him. Exactly. And a defensive end or a pass rusher, you can put him in a rotation as well. He could play first, second down, something like that. A quarterback, once you start him, you got to start him. There's no rotation for him. If there's a rotation, then he's automatically failed. You automatic, That's a bust. You take a you take a guy, that that's a bust if, if he's not starting constantly, if he's not in the game. So, you just, man, the draft is just such a shakeup for quarterbacks. You just got to make sure that you analyze the guy right, especially in our, you know, our market as well. Like you said, the media is just constantly after you, constantly on top of you. You just got to make sure that you get the right guy in there and that he pans out for you. And then you got two clowns like us to have a voice. That's really scary, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> <It's> terrifying. <laughs> 
absolutely terrifying. <laughs> the, the next question we have is from Joey Godinez, and his his, his question is about Chris Owosu. I guess that's his name. I don't know how to say it really, but uh, the wide receiver. He said, what do you think we do with him? He was an absolute stun at the end of the year. Great hands and speed. Showed some promise. Uh, I mean, Joe, I'll let you go first. I think it's Chris Owasu, but what are your take? A young, you know, young receiver definitely showed some things. He was, he's a very, very explosive. Do you think he's like a, a training camp roster battle guy, or what, what do you think? Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think he's a training camp roster kind of battle guy. I think that if we do end up signing a Stevie Johnson or uh, maybe even an Andre Holmes, a guy that I've talked about on this podcast, if we if, if we end up getting him then Chris might see the door. Um, he's a guy that, you know, is going to be fighting for a roster spot, just like Celine McKean was, a guy that I was correct about. Um, so, you know. <laughs> Who's going to get cut? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to be battling, but if we, if we can get a talented guy in here, he, he might fall off the roster. But we'll see, you know, how he squeaks in and see what, you know, we actually do with him if he does show and improve. Well, the thing is, too, is, and just, just say, for example, if they do happen to, Part ways of Percy Harvin, he could be a kick return candidate. I mean, he he definitely mm-hmm. should be ability to be very explosive. If that's a guy you want to consider for that kind of role, but I would agree. I think then you know if he's he's going to be fighting for a roster spot along with Shaq Evans and what the rest of these guys, Salim Akeem and everybody else. The next question we have is from Dom Fitzgerald. He just tweeted it's um, what's more likely to happen, uh, getting a Hughes or a McPhee or a Beasley Fowler in the draft? Like basically, well, said was Hughes, McPhee, or Worlds, or getting a Beasley or Fowler in the draft. What do you think is more likely to happen? More likely to happen? Um, yep. I would say probably, honestly, for, for our sake, I hope we get a World. Um, I think that's more likely to, for us to happen with us. I think McPhee is like we talked about; he's a boom or bust kind of guy. Uh, Fowler might be there, but the way that that things are looking and shaking out for us, we might end up even trading down with the Eagles. I mean that. That that heat is starting to really pick up on that rumor. Um, so getting the world, I think, is more than likely. I think he should be one of our targets, especially with Harris walking. There's a there's a, there's a pretty big hole there at linebacker as well because we're very thin. So I think worlds would be more likely for us. Um, I you know I'm going to say that we're most likely to go free agency. I think. Mm. I mean, a great answer is say do both. I mean, if we could, if we had the ability to do both, that'd be pretty wild. To add two dynamic pass rushers to this defense, you know, with, with our defensive line, would be phenomenal. But I don't think it's feasible. I'm going to say free agency, just due to the names and the talent that's available in our cap space. I, I have a funny feeling that McCabe is going to make a big splash, and it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be McPhee. I think it's going to be Worlds, maybe a Brandon Graham. You know, I think it's going to be one of these guys. But I think it's going to be free agency, definitely. And then in the, in the draft, I think we're going to go a different route. I think I have a funny feeling it's going to be or, uh, wide receiver, but based on no reason, just my own just gut instinct. Um, Joe, the next question we have is thoughts on David Harris. Do you think now, based on Rex Ryan in desperate need of David Harris, do you think the Jets get a deal done with him prior to free agency, prior to him being open to phone calls? Uh, no, I, I don't think we'll actually end up in a deal done with him. I think – that, you know, he's going to use the bills for leverage and he's going to squeak this out for as much money as he possibly can. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we'll end up letting him walk and chasing other linebackers in free agency. That might be better talent than just younger. Uh, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. What about you? You know, it's interesting because now it's like, you know, he every time you somebody's talked to him, to David Harris, it's always been, I want to retire a jet. 
That's what he's always said. I'd like to see that, a two-year deal, $10 million, keep him here. But now it's just like you know how you know Rex Ryan is like that player's coach, that charming guy. He, they may overpay. I mean, they can't overpay. They may overpay to get David Harris. So I think mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, man. I I have a uh, if I had to put a, a bet on it, I think David Harris is gone. I, I really do. Yeah. I mean that's just that's just my gut instinct. I think if nothing's done by say you know whatever March seventh, March eighth, I think he's going to be a goner. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you. Um, I, I also think we might test and kick the tires on Iraq, though, too, and uh, kind of see what we can get out of him. What are your thoughts on him? Well, Iraq was interesting because he was on – there was a segment on him on NFL Network where I think it was like the Jaguars and a couple other teams were interested in him and, and things like that. And like Jason said last night, it's just – it's so risky with him. It's risky for a contract because you don't know how to – you don't know how to put together. His injury risk is a huge concern. I mean, he missed 2012, 2014. You know, it's, it's just – if you had a choice, you have to go like Jason Worlds, Brandon Graham, Jerry Hughes. You go for all these guys first. And, you know, there was a report today that, you know, the Jets are high on Brooks Reed, who's not really a big sack guy. He's very good against the run. But, I mean, it seems like he may not be in the, ra- the, the radar just due to his injury issues. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the same exact thing that I was I – was, my thoughts on him as well. I think you would just kind of have to lace his contract full of kind of clauses <laughs> to protect yourself. But if we could get him and he could perform – that would be another guy that would definitely be a, a necessary coming off the edge, a pass rusher, a guy that we can bring in on late downs that pin his ear straight back and he's coming for your quarterback. Definitely a, another weapon we can add. And, Joe, now we are going to cover a topic that I I personally have must have talked about for three years now. I'm tired of talking about this person, and yet again we are forced to talk about this person. It is our good friend Darrell Revis. And the oh. reason why we're talking about Darrell Revis is because this morning our good friend Manish Mehta decided to post an article about how Woody Johnson is going to lean on Mike McCagnan in order to reunite us with our former franchise player. And my first thing was this. I was like, you've got to be absolutely frigging kidding me. And the reason why I'm saying that is from what everything we heard in this press conference, Woody Johnson wants football guys to make football decisions. It's his new front office revamped. You take what you have, your salary cap, you draft, and you rebuild my team. So you know, the key word is you rebuild my team, not Woody Johnson rebuilds his team. Mike McCagnan, Todd Bowles, and that staff does it. If Woody Johnson is going to put pressure on Mike McCagnan to, to sign Darrell Revis, Joe, nothing has changed in his organization. And that is absolutely ridiculous. And, and here's my point why. Listen, I respect Revis. I understand he's a franchise player. I understand his ability. We've talked about him over and over. But what if Mike McCagnan has in mind a place where he said, you know what? I want to go in the free agency. I want to get Kareem Jackson. I want to get Devin McCourty. And I want to go this way. If you get Kareem Jackson, you don't need Darrell Revis because you've chosen your corner. So if he has his plan in place, and then Woody says, oh, no, 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 we don't want Kareem Jackson. I want Darrell Revis. Joe, that to me is exactly why we had problems in the past. The Tim Tebow nonsense, the trading of Revis the first time, all this stuff where Woody Johnson got involved for all the wrong reasons is exactly what scared me today. Exactly. And I totally agree with everything you said. You took most of the words right out of my mouth that I was going to say. 
if Willie Johnson, first off, it's a report by Manoush Matter. So that just automatically, I, I, I give him no credibility. I mean, this dude, he just, he can't stand the Jets. I just, that's <laughs> just factual. He just, he can't stand the Jets. He makes up a lot of reports as well. I just, I just, I, I give it absolutely no credibility here. But let's say if Woody Johnson does lean on Mike McCagney, that would make absolutely no sense. He sat there. He said he's going to let, like you said, he's going to let football guys make football decisions. Then you let Mike McCagney build the team the way he needs to build it, and you let Todd Bowles coach the team the way he needs to coach it. We don't need to go back into this saga with Revis and all these holdouts and more money, and then you pay him, and then, you know, he's going to be 30 very soon as well. It's just we have other needs that we need to address, guys that we can get much cheaper, you know, and fill holes with. I'm just I'm just tired of talking about Revis. It's a done deal. Please, fans, just take him out of your mind, okay? He's not the only corner out there. Yes, he is one of the best corners. You know, Patrick Peterson is really good too, uh, but he's not the only corner on the face of the earth that can cover a wide receiver. There's other guys out there. We need to start focusing on the future, building our team, and getting better as a whole, and not just having one twenty million or a guy coming close to twenty million dollars a year guy, while the rest of our defense will be suffering. We 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 don't need that. Let's just move forward. Listen, you know, and, and uh, listen, I I can make a case to bring Revis back and have him back in here, oh. and a, you get a very two good years out of him. You know, like the, the one the one guy that tweeted us said, "Listen, you give him you know two years, fourteen million dollars each. Okay, great, and then what?" Then we're searching for another cornerback. You get a Kareem Jackson for five years. You have a guy for five years, and you're, assuming you're hoping he pans out. But it's a longer-term fix. But even at that, Joe, my, my bigger issue is Woody Johnson being involved. That's the problem. Is it about selling tickets? Because you know what sells tickets, Joe? Winning. Is it about making headlines? I don't care about headlines. I care about winning. The, the problem is it's, I don't want Woody and Johnson involved in personnel decisions at all. If he has to get final approval for the big $100 million contract from Mo Wilkerson, fine. Sign a check. But that's it. And, like, you know, just as we're speaking, Manish tweeted again, Jets' Woody Johnson involved in serious internal discussions to make a push for Revis. That, Joe, to me, it, it's, it's just wrong. It's just not what – it's like it, – is it going to sell you jerseys? Or are you going to sell some more posters? Who cares? It's $16 million a year, $15 million a year. But that's the thing about Minutia's reporting, though. Woody Johnson being involved in discussions can mean that Woody Johnson is sitting in the corner of the room while Bowles and, and McCadden are just going over player personnel decisions. <laughs> like that. That's what I'm telling you. Like, I don't trust Minutia. I think that Woody Johnson has learned his lesson with that Tebow stuff blowing up in his face and with Revis. I, I really do think that he brought in guys and he's going to allow them to do what they need to do to make this football team better. And, and just bringing in Revis doesn't make sense. Like, it, it makes sense as far as, oh, well, we can get this guy, he's going to solve a corner. But the long-term effect of, of, the, of the move and the cap space he's going to suck up and all those things, reason, logic, it doesn't make much sense. When, Like you said, you can bring in a Kareem Jackson, you know, a guy that you're going to have for five, you know, maybe six years if you'd like to sign him for that long. And, and he's going to grow with the team. He's going to come in and do things. So, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I, I think that Woody's going to let the guys do what they need to do to make the team better. Yeah, and let me let me say this. If they did sign Reeves and brought him back, I'd welcome him because he's a phenomenal player. But my my take is just that, you know, you can get two quality players for the price of him. Maybe even three, depending on who you're talking about. But, you know, it, it's just, man, it, it's a tough sell, and it just, 
you know, Manish knows what he's doing because he wants clicks and he wants headlines. But, you know, it exactly. makes you wonder, when, when when they asked Woody Johnson last time, did you have interest in Rebus? He's like, of course. He threw John Idzik underneath the bus, which is fine. You always take shots at the guy that's not there. But but that's what they do. Everybody does it, especially in the NFL. But it's just like, man, this is – it's just – it infuriates me. And it's just like I'm hoping for the sake of this franchise that Woody Johnson has finally learned his lesson to shut his mouth and know his role. Seriously, you're an owner. Act like one. If you want to sit there and learn how to coach football and, sh- and stuff like that and, and check things out and draw on the whiteboard and look all fancy, wonderful. You're not making any football decisions. So, Joe, it just – it, it scares me because, you know, ticket sales are down. The Jets aren't really, really marketable at this point. I mean, the face of your franchise is either Mo or Sheldon. So it, it just gets me worried that he's looking for that splash. And if he forces McCagney to do something he doesn't want to do, it's off to the wrong start for a first-time general manager. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't, I think McCagney is a guy that definitely, like I said, is going to bring reason and logic to the board. And he's not, he's going to say, listen. You you want this guy, but look, here's other guys that we can we can address, guys that we can go on the draft that we can get as well that can address these positions and make our team better. You know, like, like I've said this a thousand times, I've heard you say it as well, the first thing to turn around a fan base, to get them to buy a ticket and get your ticket sales back up is if you win. The Patriots showed you that. Their fan base is all yep. the way down. They started winning, yep. boom, people came back. Those fans started feeling. So in that interest, in that, in that uh, aspect, I think that he'll listen to that. And I think that if once they start building this team and start making different moves and start doing different things to make the team better, he'll, he'll listen to that reason and logic. He had that Tebow stuff blow up in his face. And, yeah, he threw Tannenbaum under the bus then, too. That, that, was, that was what he's MO. He'd make a bad move, throw a guy under the bus. I think he's learned from that stuff. And I think he's really kind of sat back and said, you know what, I'm not going to deal with this. And that's why, you know, Manish Mehta is a guy that I just – I put no credibility in his reporting anymore. So – that's my yeah, and it's it, it's it's a it's a good point. I mean, it's just you know sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire, and just history dictates yeah. that Woody Johnson does meddle sometimes where it's not warranted. And with the with the inexperienced front office, I mean, I understand Rod Graves is still in place, but you know it's got to be a tad bit of a concern. Um, we got actually a tweet, Joe, about Ik and a Enem Kapali and his impact this season. And I'll start by saying this. I, I like what IK brought to the table last year, and I'm curious to see what Todd Bowles can get at him because when he did play, when he wasn't hurt and got some reps, he actually made some plays. He generated some pressure. He did some things. So that could be kind of a sleeper guy that earns a roster spot and could do some things. Yeah, I would definitely like to see what he comes back and bring out. That was my exact uh, um, analysis of him is too. He's, he's made some different plays. He's done some different things. Uh, just kind of want to see what he'll bring after that. But if he can get in Bowles' system and Bowles can find a place for him and, you know, as a backer here and do some different things, then we'll, we'll see what we can get out of him. But he's he's a guy that, you know, could, can make some contributions to us. And now our, our good friend Kevin, our producer of our show, just sent me a message which is going to make me – I've got to find a song from him. That his quote was, I would be lying if I said that I wouldn't – that it wouldn't be cool coming back home. Listen, if Devin McCourty wants to come back home – the wallet is open. You come play safety for us for the next five years. I will I will drive there, pick you up, drive you, and I will give them the filet mignon I'm going to give you, Joe. <laughs> you know what? Like I said, I, I'm a guy. I'm still banging the table here for Antonio Island. I'd like to see him get a shot at starting. But if we can bring him according for the right number, and, uh, you know, who knows what could be worked out. But I, I still think Antonio Allen is a guy that we need to give a shot to. 
Hey, listen, if Tony Allen wants to learn from Devin McCourty, I'm completely fine with that. Or or, or just or just, or even better, take Calvin Pryor's job. I'm fine with that, too. I just want Devin McCourty here. I want a true, proven Pro Bowl safety to play for the Jets. You know, just just a free safety that can actually make plays. It'd just be so exciting to watch, man. Well, but when you when you watch Antonio Allen, and we've gone into this a thousand times, when you watch Antonio oh, Allen, here we go. And, he, and he was covering guys, and he was showing you flashes, and then all of a sudden he got benched. Those are some of the same things you saw out of him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, look, I'm going to keep banging the table for the guy. He needs a chance. But if you can bring in McCourty, because I know you love him to death, that's your favorite player, you got it. Fan, <laughs> his fan page up and everything's going well with you and McCourty. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I still, I still think you need to give Antonio Allen a fair shot. I think he's a guy that really does have a, to give a lot to this team. It's interesting, man. And, you know, that's another time where, you know, it's it's just like, you know, you you have we you know I had faith in Rex Ryan you know to you know develop young players and do things and that really didn't you know you know depending on who you believe didn't really pan out that well. Hopefully Todd Bowles mm-hmm. can do that. You know what I mean? That, that's all you can really hope for at this point. Is Todd Bowles can make an impact, develop some young players, get emerging stars out of an Antonio Allen, say a Marcus Williams, a Rontez Miles, get some of these guys to you know make some plays. You know that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought that that was one of Rex's definite faux pas, uh, not making sure that Antonio Allen was a priority and getting him coached up. And then he benched him for uh, no reason in my brain after, you know, we got Ed Reed brought in. And so, you know, yeah, I'm hoping that, that Todd Bowles can kind of turn that around, give the guy a shot, find a, find a place for him, and, and, and take advantage of his skill set. Yeah, no doubt. So, Joe, I mean, I've peppered you all my questions and all my topics that I had written down from our listeners. And first of all, I want to thank everybody that emailed us for the mailbag questions and that have been tweeting us throughout the show. We try our best to get everything covered. Is there anything you want to come back at other than Harvin? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of wanted to talk to you about Darnell Dockett. Um, how okay. do you feel about bringing him? How do you feel about bringing him in? Uh, what do you feel, you know, what, what do you think about his skill set and what he could bring to the table as far as, you know, now with his with his age and everything? And would you sign him? And if you were to sign him, what kind of contract would you be looking to give him? Well, let me ask you this first question. What kind of role are you looking for him to fill? Say if you were to, let's say probably a, a situational pass rusher, a guy that comes in third down, maybe second down. And he's he's coming after the quarterback. He he he'd be on the list because Bowles has familiarity with him. Um, I remember mm-hmm. I, re- I read an article, I believe it was Pro Football Talk, where he ranked well against the pass, but he was dreadful. I think he was good against the pass, but yeah. he was dreadful against the run. I, I think that's what the write up mm-hmm. was on him. I mean, he he has to be in the conversation. I mean, I don't think it's a terrible idea. You know, be he be under. I mean, I think if we have like a wish list. Obviously, you're going like Hughes, Worlds, McPhee, you know, and then you go, then you start going to guy like Brandon Graham. I think is going to be on that list, and then it comes to guys that have familiarity with Bowles and McCagnet for that matter. That's where I think like a Docket, a Brooks Reed, these guys are going to get serious play because these guys already know them. They know their work ethic, they know their locker room presence, they know what they can bring to the table. So they make they may climb the ladder just based on that. Mm, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I think, but I, I really do think that we should probably kick the tires with Darnell Dockett. I do think that he has a, a little bit left in his tank, and, and that's a guy like you said. He is—he's dreadful against the run. He really is. Um, but that—that that pass rushing ability that he does have from that defensive line spot, I think, would definitely 
add some stuff to us. And I also think that he won't come in and, you know, as expensive as he was in Arizona, nowhere near that. And I think we can bring him in for a deal that would make a lot of sense to us. So that's a guy I think we should definitely keep our eyes on, like you said, because of the Bulls familiarity as well. Yeah, and like I said, this there's there's a there's gonna be a lot of a lot of pressure on Mike McCagden to identify the right pass rusher because he's got his choice. I mean, you really, you have your, you have to pick up the litter, especially when you're armed with fifty million dollars in cap space. So I mean, that's it's gonna be truly truly interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, yeah, it's I'm, I can't wait to see how he attacks this free agency though. I really want to see who he goes after, how quickly he gets these guys signed, and you know makes our our our, our places that we need impact players at, the priority places that we need to get done, how how he attacks those as well. So this is going to be a very interesting free agency for us. Yeah, well, the cool thing is, too, is you figure this time next week we're already deep into it. So our show next week will already be, you know, four or five hours in the free agency. So that's going to be pretty cool. And if we have to schedule additional shows after that to cover, you know, big-time prominent signs and things like that, then, you know, let's do it. Cause, I mean, it's it's going to be – I think the Jets are going to be prominent players. They're, probably gonna, they're going to probably strike early and often, is my opinion. I think they're going to probably make some big splashes. So if we have to accommodate them, I think we should, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll be ready. I'll be here. So I'm just I'm just waiting, man. I'm I'm chopping at the bit to see how things pan out. All right. Well, you know, I like to thank our, our callers that called in. Um, sorry for the drop call. We had a couple of drop calls. Sorry for that. And I'll uh, thank everybody on Twitter for interacting with us. I know there's a lot of information coming out. We're trying our best to keep up with it all. And you know, for the mailbag questions as well. And Joe, thank you, and thank you to Kevin too. He's you know the last two nights he's been trying to keep us keep us together here as we got all kinds of things going on, especially with our busy Twitter accounts. So we want to thank Kevin as well. We'll make sure we tweet out his name so you guys can follow him. He's uh he's got some very strong opinions on the Jets, and they're very good opinions as well. So, um, Joe, do me a favor and share our Facebook information with everybody. Yes, absolutely. It's uh, Let's Talk Jets Radio on Facebook. I'll be tweeting that out as well. You can follow me at youngj. Zero 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 on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow and watch my YouTube videos as well. I'm on YouTube. It's Young J Zero Zero. That's two zeros for YouTube and three zeros for Twitter. Uh, you know, like our Facebook page, uh, follow it. We tweet out. Uh, we we post our content there as well. And you know, make some comments. And you can also send us uh, some questions on there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So. Joe, thank you to you. Thank you to Kevin. And this time next week, man, we're talking about signings and stuff, which is going to be uh, definitely an exciting time, man. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait, man. I cannot wait. I'll talk to you next week, man. All right. Talk to you next week, man. Peace. Listen.